You're watching the End of the Flow podcast, sleeveless edition. All right, so I am here with Gabriel Gutierrez. I pronounced that correctly, didn't I, Gabe? You did. Nice job. All right. Yeah, well, see, I looked it up on YouTube. I'm a- <laughs> Um, I but you, guys, you had to give the Gutierrez, got to roll the R's on that, see? You know, I didn't want to sound like I was really trying to. <laughs> no, but, I, yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm just happy someone tries, that's all. So they're like, Gabriel, <laughs> Gabriel? <laughs> so. I'm here with Gabe. <laughs> so, uh, Gabriel, you interviewed me on our first podcast yeah yeah i am returning the favor to you awesome looking forward to it and uh we're gonna bounce some things off each other and compare some notes and see where we go so i'm gonna start off what and i think i kind of know the answer to this question a little bit because i i my parents background but what got you started in a in window cleaning so to actually start a window cleaning business sure so um when we um first started uh i was working at a bank uh, and uh, I was a teller, which was fine, you know, and I enjoyed it. But, you know, with the whole sales thing, we, we had gone, we, we were actually, when I started out, I was at a little bank uh, called Norwest Bank. And then they merged with Wells Fargo, which, uh, you know, we all know is a huge bank now. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved Norwest because it was the, the mentality of it was fits perfectly with my personality, which is customer service, you know. So like they wanted us to, oh, you know, when the customer comes to the window, talk with them, get to know them, know their family, know what's going on, you know, so that they feel like we're part of their family when they come in, you know, and we had that and it was awesome. You know, I had customers that all would wait for me because they wanted to talk with me and um, we only had to get three sales a month. So that's like a new account, a credit card, a loan, something, some type of referral. And, you know, it was pretty easy to get, you know, it wasn't, so they just really wanted us to make relationships with the people and then we went we we they merged with wells fargo and all of a sudden we're thrust into this like sales 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 i mean we had to have like like 10 sales a week i mean it was such a oh, huge wow. jump and the it was high pressure uh they did not want us talking with the customers they wanted us to send easy customers to the atm because they wanted the least amount of people in the in the um lobby yeah and um it just really, um, it lost its, uh, uh, attraction, you know? So I was trying to look into getting into something else and my wife, uh, uh, and I, you know, we were both kind of wanting to do some things. Um, I, I was involved in a ministry and we wanted to devote more time to that if possible. And, um, one of the things that the advice that was given to us was to look into some type of cleaning service because you could, you had the potential to make a lot of money, um, or more money than, than like at a, at a minimum wage job, uh, and then manage your time, you know? So, uh, we had asked around one of that's one of the people that suggested was window cleaning. And we actually happened to know a, a good friend of ours who was a window cleaner. And I just had never thought to ask him. Um, and so anyways, we, we were just talking and then he just out of the blue, just offered like, Hey, I've got these accounts that, um, you know, like $600 a month. It's not much, but you know, if you're wanting to get started, this is like perfect time. And I was like, I didn't tell him that I actually was looking for a business and I, I kind of got scared off and I was like, Oh no, no, no. Well, you know, I don't think we're interested in that. And so I went and told my wife about it and she's like, well, how much was he selling it for? I'm like, I don't know. Like what, what came with it? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, well, go find out, you know, cause it was exactly what we had been talking about and praying about. And 
so I went and talked to him and, um, yeah, he was going to, he sold me $600 a month worth of work for like uh, 600 bucks and it oh, included wow. the equipment included. Um, uh, well, he gave me some tr- training. <laughs> it was, it was about an, a two, two days of about an hour's worth of training. Um, and it wasn't enough and you know, I, I really needed a lot, but I, 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 you know, took the jobs. They were all pretty easy commercial jobs, you know, just storefront type work, some mall work. Yep. And, um, yeah, I probably kept about 80% of the jobs, you know, 20% just, just dropped just cause they took it as an opportunity to go, to go shopping around. Um, but it, it, it took me about six months to really decide that I liked window cleaning. I really wasn't sold on it. And part of it is cause I didn't have training, you know, so I really struggled in the beginning and, um, I, I, you know, these easy jobs that, well, now it would have been easy for me. I would get done in 10, 15 minutes now, you know, I mean, they were taking me an hour to do and, I was just really picky, really picky yep. and overly picky. And I'm, I'm, you know, I remember this one time I was uh, cleaning a Godiva chocolates in the mall and they have these kind of like weird, like um, almost like those uh, uh, middle Eastern type arch kind of things, you know, it's like where it kind of swoops up to a point. Yeah. Um, and it had that design in the window. So it was like a wooden frame around it. And I just always struggled on it. And, and I, this one particular day I was at the mall and I was trying to get it. I just kept leaving these lines and streaking. And, and I, I was ready to cry, man. I was just so upset. So I called up my friend. I was like, I can't get these windows. I don't know how you, when you did them, they were so easy. And I just, I'm in here for 30 minutes. I can't get it. And he's like, calm down, Gabe, calm down, calm down. I'll come right over. Cause he didn't live too far from, from the mall. So he drove over all nice and chill, walked up smiling. Hey, what's going on? I'm like ready to throw all of my gear, you know? And so he just took his time. He showed me and he's like, look, you're, you're forcing it. You're forcing it. You're pushing too hard. You don't got the right angle. Just relax. Relax. It's just, it's a friendly window. He could say it's a friendly window. And, uh, you know, sure enough, by the time he got done with me, I was doing it pretty easy. And I kind of learned a lesson there about just relaxing and not stressing out. And the other thing he told me too was, you know, look, you're, you're looking at this with a very critical eye. Do you think those employees really care if you leave a little streak on there? <laughs> and I'm like, no. It's like, no, they don't care. <laughs> they, they just, they just know you're here and then you're going to be gone. That's all they know. They don't care. You know, they're not going to make a big deal. As long as you're not leaving it real sloppy and you're not, you know, putting, you know, water on the ground where it might be a danger to the people walking by, you're going to, you're fine. Don't stress out about it. You know, you're, yeah. so I kind of, that was a good lesson for me about, you know, not trying, not just giving up and, and, uh, that if I just relax, it'll work out, you know, I'll figure it out. And, um, so I, I kind of carry that till today, but that, that was my start in the window clean. So I, I pretty much started with just commercial for a while and then, um, started finding out, you know, you can make a lot more money with residential. So, um, I started advertising for residential in a little community that was close by where we lived. Um, cause at the time we lived kind of far out of town. Um, and it was a little bit of a drive. So this was about 10 minutes closer to, to where we live than the main town of Tucson was. So I advertised there and that's really why I'm still in business is that little community. It's called Tucson Estates. And, uh, I still have, cause I have customers there from 20 years ago. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's, that's, that's my little community. I, I feel like I'm a part of it, even though I've never lived in there because so many people, took care of me, you know, and just yeah. kept using me, even though I did terrible jobs on their windows, <laughs> but they just liked me and they let me practice on them. And until I got good, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, we didn't have <laughs> Facebook groups like what we have with ITF oh, and we yeah. didn't have YouTube videos to teach us. I just learned everything the hard way, every single I thing the hard way. So many people. I'm like, if I had 
all of this resource at my fingertips when I was first starting out because I was the same way. Now, I obviously I had grown up doing it somewhat, but when I first got out onto my own, yeah, it was a lot harder than than was when I was just wetting with us for my dad and you know trying to make it on my own. And I, I just think, man, if I would have had all this information and knowledge and in the, the tools, you know, I was. I was, when I first started out, it was 1990, and mm -hmm. I had just the stuff my dad gave me. So it was wooden poles that were tapered. It was, yes, yeah, the wooden poles. <laughs> it was a little 10-inch uh, hog's hair brush, yep, yep. you know, and a, and a five-gallon bucket with bulky ammonia. Yep, and yep. I just think of where we're at today versus where I was at then. It, it, and, and, and I don't think like five, seven year businesses, business owners today. And I talked to an ITF and, and other groups appreciate what they have. And I tr keep trying to instill in them, look, take advantage of the knowledge in these groups. Don't because, you know, they, I would have killed, I would have paid so much money for the stuff that is just yeah. casually tossed around in these discussions. Um, the knowledge that the time that saved and some of these, these newer guys, you know, they kind of just come in like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Ah, maybe I'll try me out. I'm like, no, you got to try this. You don't understand how long it took me to learn this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you, you try to impress on them that uh, this stuff, this knowledge is so valuable and it can save them so much trouble, so much money, so much time. Well, energy. That's what I always tell everybody when I'm giving them advice, I, I, don't pretend to know every right way to do something or the, the way I do it is perfect, but I know a lot of wrong ways. Mm. And, and that's what saves you the time and money, whether it's just your window system or it might be a pole or it might be a tool, whatever it is, just a little bit of information that you get through a lot of this networking. Now it saves you because I've bought a lot of stuff over the years yes. that just ended up being garbage and garbage. Yep. Oh, a lot of money and garbage. Money yep. on this, you know. And and that's the other thing is we get to talk to people who have actually purchased the stuff and used it, you yep. know. And you know, so if we're like, hey, has anybody bought this? Yeah, it's trash. Don't get it. And you know, may get you might get a, a various different opinions, but at least you have opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, we we just talk to the salesman <laughs> or to the janitorial store who just wants oh. to unload it. And we're like, oh, wow, this sounds great, you know? And then you buy it and then you take it home. And you're like, oh, man, I just dropped, you know, 200 bucks on this and I'm not well, going to be able to use it. Especially back in the day, you know, you had a salesman that they needed to sell. And I've yeah. always told everybody that, that I don't, I've learned a lot from salesmen over the years. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they got to sell you something. So, That's right. and yeah. back then there was nothing to compare to. You couldn't go, there was no internet. There was, you know, you had a catalog. You didn't really have a lot of right. places that sold stuff. Maybe your janitorial company, they had a little Etteray, uh yeah. storefront, little rack that they had a few things on, but you just went off of what people told you and it wasn't necessarily the right tool for you anyway. Yeah. And that's the thing I think that's even more refined about these groups because like you said, you know, because the product actually may be great. It might be a wonderful product, but it's not for your area, you know, and it's not for the windows that you deal with. And how would you know that? And mm -hmm. it's like with these groups, we have the option of saying, Hey, who lives in my area who has used this product in general, we can find somebody who has, and they can give you advice. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving advice all the time 
on stuff for people from the desert, you know, who are live in Southern Arizona or Phoenix. And they can ask me, how did this product work for you? And I can tell them, well, this is what I liked. This is what I didn't like about it. People always promoting this, but you know, I found trouble with this because of our dust or because of whatever, you know? Um, and so, I mean, so it's so refined the advice and, and it's like, I, I don't think people appreciate uh, what they have at their fingertips, you know? No, cause we're both window cleaners. Um, but you, what you deal with out in Arizona is a lot different a lot of times than what I'm dealing yeah. with here in Michigan. So Mm-hmm. Give me an, an example of some things that you deal with out there or that you're, you're working with that would be a lot different from what I'm working with. Sure. Um, well, so number one uh, is the dust. So all the windows have dust. And, and I think that's, you know, cause I'll see people and they'll like advertise where they're all water fed and, and I don't have any, I use water fed. I, I, you know, I enjoy, I think it's a great uh, uh, tool. I have it. I use it for many jobs, but because we have so much dust, what that means is that everything on the floor is going to be mud. Uh-huh. So if I've got a single story house, um, it doesn't make sense for me to go around with my water fed pole because then I'm going to have to wash all of their concrete and sidewalks because it's going to be all muddy, you know, and I can't leave it like that. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't always make sense on every job to use water fed like some people do. Um, so mm-hmm. we're definitely in Arizona, we're more trad and there are some water fed people down here. I, I have a good friend of mine who, um, his uh, streakless windows co- coincidentally. And uh, uh, he's, he's pretty much all water fed, but he also does a lot more commercial than I do. And I do use my water fed on commercial more often because you know, they're nice thick frames and the glasses, you know, it, it's, it's a lot easier to work with it. You're not dealing with, you know, thin tracks. You're not dealing with weird angles on the glass where the sl- the screen goes in that type of thing. Um, so he's, he's definitely all water fed. And he, he, in fact, he, he struggles with, we've worked on jobs together and he struggles with, with the trad, you know, when it comes into that. And so he, he likes doing just exterior only. You know, um, that's his, he, he does do interiors, but he doesn't like them because he's not comfortable with, with the squeegee. Um, so he loves it when I work with them because I can do all the trad stuff and he doesn't have to worry about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but so what that also does is that means that to be in Arizona, you really have to be good with the pole. And you have, you know, I, on my Instagram, I put a lot of videos and I, I do it because I think the, the art of using the pole with the squeegee is lost. And um, the ones who are really good at it are usually the 10 year guys, you know, the ones who have been doing it pre YouTube, pre internet. And it's because we just had to, you know, we had to figure it out. And um, the guy who taught me was awesome. And he was tall. I mean, he was like six foot two. So he didn't need a lot, you know, he could, where I would need a step stool, he could use it to just do it. He could also fan with the three foot. He had one of those three foot Sorbo, you know, thick channel and he would fan with that. I mean, he was really good. But he, he taught me how to pull and he just is like, no, look, man, this is your tool. If you want to save time without having to get up on ladders, learn how to pull. And I did. And again, I'm growing up in a bubble. I just thought that's what everybody did. Mm-hmm. And then when we started, you know, kind of um, again with the groups and with my, my social media and I start to find out a lot of people don't, they never learned how to fan or at least they know how to fan, but they're not good at it, you know? And, um, so I've kind of made it my mission to teach, teach the young guys how to fan, (laughs) you know, to show them that this, you know, it's not, not appropriate in all situations, but in some, it is just so much better to, to use your pole or to, to, to fan on a regular window. When I see still people doing straight pulls again, nothing wrong with straight pulls. Uh, they're, They're great. And some people get real fast on them. Um, but then when they see me fanning on it, you know, they can just see how much, you know, time is saved. Um, 
but anyways, you know, it's, it's just, I'm trying to make sure that the old school thinking still is injected in the new, not rejecting any of the new stuff, but just making right. sure the art's not lost because it is oh, a time saver. Yeah. You know, obviously I, we see a lot of that in, in different groups, obviously that, um, uh, you know, there's all waterfed guys or all trad guys. And if you use a waterfed pole, you're not a real winter cleaner. Right. You, yeah. you don't own one, you're dumb. It, it's like anything else or you know a mechanic has a toolbox that is exactly full of all these tools and some he uses every day some mm-hmm. he uses once a week some once a year but mm-hmm. that when you have those available to you it well, just makes you more uh flexible to be able to do a lot a lot of different things with with the the tools that you have in your toolbox we used a great, a great illustration of a mechanic, right? So you've got, you know, older cars, you know, you get the seventies and, and eighties vehicles, you, you have a certain skill set for that. But if you're trying to use the same tools on those cars that on, on a 2010 and you say, Oh, well, people who use computers, I'll well, forget them. You know, I, I, I'm the real mechanic. Well, that's ridiculous because the cars have changed, you know, and you're wasting, if you're trying to fix a car without using computer, it's not going to work. Yep. And, and with the tools we have available, if you're going to spend, you know, three hours on a ladder, but you can get the same job done in an hour with a pole, it's ridiculous to think that you have to get up on the ladder still, you know, if it's the job, if the job's still done the same and it's safer, you know, anytime you can minimize um, any danger, any risk, um, you know, you should. And, and, and I, uh, in, in like in the in interview I did with Jeremiah Hickey, um, you know, I, I'm still struggling. I still use ladders. I'm really trying to get away from it. And eventually I will, but, um, you know, I've, I've changed a lot in the last couple of years from it. Just, just yeah. my mindset of, of I don't after I took problem. Michael Draper's class, actually, that really helped me out a lot. Yeah. I don't have a problem saying I'm scared of getting on ladders. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm scared of heights that bad or anything. It's, it's what would happen if I fell. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as we get older, our own mortality sets in a little bit more. We absolutely have more to lose you. It's not just that fall down, get, bounce back up when you're 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And I've never been so happy to have been taught pole work by my dad, you know, yeah, yeah. Until now where I, Absolutely. Can, um, you know, that's, again, that's how we did it because we couldn't afford the big ladders. We, we had, my dad had a, I think it was probably a, maybe an 18 foot uh, yeah. pole. And uh-huh. that was, you know, like a life. Is it, is it the, the editor, uh, the golden one? No, no, oh, okay. it, I mean, there's not even a name on it. This pole is so old. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got these real small little plastic cuffs that are super hard to undo. And well, when, um, whenever I want to, I want to put the young guys in their place. I pull out my 18 foot editor. I have still have it on my trucks, and I'll pull out my backflip and my 18 foot editor, and I'll just say, ah, you know, we're not going to use water fit on these. I'm going to pull these ones just just to let them know, <laughs> let them yeah. know who I am. Yeah. You know, uh, well, but yeah, because like you said, that was all we had. You know, and and if you could avoid using a ladder and I could pull with, with that, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's worth it. And, um, it saved me a lot of time in, in certain jobs, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, working with a guy that's about an hour away from me and he sent me some pictures of a commercial account and he's like, Hey, mm-hmm. you, you can pull that in my, in my sleep. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, let's pull it because getting on ladders and a lift was like $450 to get in for a day. Yeah. Um, and it's I'm right. Like, I'm sure we can pull it because that's how, that's how I taught. So I, and then that's what I told him too. I said, this would be a great opportunity for you to learn exactly. how to do some pole work at some, at some height, you know, cause we're talking about the, maybe 
little over two stories. So it, you know, on the inside, there's, there's three panes of glass. So the top part gets, <clears throat> it gets up there pretty good. I'm thinking 25, mm-hmm. 30 feet. And so, um, be a good opportunity for one of the younger guys to learn from. Yeah. From so, so getting back to your question. So the, the other thing that's closely related to the dust is that because we do have a lot of dust constantly, there is a buildup on the exterior window. So okay. like I'll see some guys go, you know, they'll show a video of them cleaning and they'll walk up and they'll just run their, their, um, you know, T-bar on it and their mop and then they'll just squeegee. And I'm like, I could never do that where I live because there's, there's buildup. I mean, unless, it, unless we're doing it every month, you know, and I do have some residential houses that are done every month. Um, uh, we, we have to white pad all of our, our window. I make it mandatory. And, and there's some companies that didn't, and I didn't all the time, but what I found was I was scrubbing, I would clean it and I'm like, Oh man, it's not and I have to scrub it again. And then it just kind of came to me that, Oh, I, if I just white pad it the first time, then it's, then I can just squeegee it, you know, but, um, there's, there's, if, if a window in the desert has, hasn't been washed in, in, uh, over a year, it's going to have a buildup and it's a regular, you know, T-bar on it is not going to get it off. Wow. So, so just kind of knowing that you, I always, we all have, you know, um, the handheld um, doodle bug pad holders on our belts. And that's just, that's just the rule. You, even if you, if, even if it looks decent, you still white pad it just to make sure that you get all of the buildup so that they're not doing double washes. You know, it's yeah, just kind of that's mentality. completely different than out here mm-hmm. in Michigan. If you have a customer that does their windows twice a year, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Um, yeah. There's maybe occasionally you'll get somebody that will have you do like a uh, sunroom or something an, an extra time. Right, right. But uh, monthly, that's, I've never. I, I don't have a whole lot of, of customers like that. Um, I, in fact, I, I have one of my most important clients that I have. Um, he, they have us, and it's a big house. It is a big house. Um, and we come every two weeks. We, now we wow. just do the exterior but it's, you know, a three hour job and we do that every two weeks we come and then uh, once in a while they'll have us do the interior and that's, you know, a good, you know, five, six hour job. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big thing, but you know, we, we, it's because of the dust, you know, I mean, the, the windows are going to be messed up within a week after we leave just wow. because of the dust. So if, if they wanted to, like some people, it bothers them. I'm like, well, just get one of those uh, microfiber things that they have for cars, you know, like they advertise on the, you know, buy a, you know, seen on TV thing, get one of those and just run it over your glass and that'll take the dust off. You know, it's not, it's not going to clean it, but it'll get the dust off and it'll make it last a little longer. Um, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And especially if there's any slanted windows, Oh. By the time we leave, they're they're dirty again. <laughs> we can, I have this one client. I charge him. Uh, it's a huge sunroom, and it's over a, over a pool, and it takes me four hours just to do that one room uh, with uh, water fed, and and we uh, um, have to get up on the roof, have to go down, and then we do it, and then we got to do the. By the time we're done with the insides, it's dirty again. It doesn't even look like we did anything, and it's just because oh. of the dust. It's just that's just our area, you know. But they know it's cleaned and they know that the, they mainly do it for the buildup because they don't want the buildup to get on there. Because the first time that we cleaned it, it took us eight hours to clean that. And the buildup was terrible. And I charged them a lot of money and they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to keep up on this. We're not going to let it get that bad anymore, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, different than a lot of places, I think, is, is the dust. Um, the, uh, you said that you make better money on residential than you do commercial. Now, where absolutely. I'm at, and at least in my experience, it could be different for everybody. I tend to make more money on commercial. Mm-hmm. 
I do residential. So do you think there's a, a correlation between the, the areas that yeah. make that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it, 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 it's kind of a weird dynamic. I've thought a lot about it. Um, so in Arizona, in, at least in Southern Arizona, I don't know so much about Northern Arizona, but we are a lot more relaxed, you know, uh, we're kind of a lot of real chill, <laughs> so to speak, you know, yeah. uh, um, uh, and so because of that, because of that laid back attitude, um, I don't think people care if their businesses are cleaned every week or every, every other week. And so route work is really hard because we have very few that are like weekly accounts. So we've got about five or six that are weekly and then we have to run the whole commercial schedule over those ones. So um, the vast majority of them are once a month, sometimes every three months. Um, And so because that they don't have it done as often, the desire to get them is greater. You know, people want the regular work. So all the little companies, you know, the one man guys, they want those and they like just dirt, dirt cheap, you know? So um, we, we really try hard to only take the commercial jobs that pay what we want, you know? And generally they're people who have been sick of the small guys who don't show up, who don't send their invoices or don't want to do invoices. They want to get, they want to get cash right there. Um, You know, uh, who, just, you know, they just have a lot of hassle. So they're, they're paying for convenience with us. They're paying with us because they know they're going to get that invoice at the end of the month. We're going to show up when we say we're going to show up. Um, we're not going to bother their clients, you know? Um, and, and so that's what we're charging for is that. And so there's, but the vast majority of people, they don't care about that. You know, if, even if it gets skipped, it was like, ah, no big deal. The guy's only charging me 10 bucks, you know? Right. So, um, so we fight that mentality and, and it, it was just, I used to have a whole lot more commercial and I just got, I just got rid of a lot because I found out, you know, especially as I started hiring, um, they were, you know, sucking money from me and, and time and money and because they're little jobs. And then if we're billing them and they haven't paid, the whole work to try and collect on, on what, $15, <laughs> you know, right. I'm spending, you know, $20 in labor, you know, trying to pay my office person to collect on a, a $15 job yeah. uh, that we've already worked and done. So um, we got a lot more selective in our commercial. And then we also really worked on making sure we got commercial in the same area so that our route work could be tighter and more efficient. You know, uh, that's really the only way that uh, route work could work for someone like me who has employees, um, you know, it, uh, it, cause I, I just really have to be efficient. Otherwise it's just not even worth doing it, you know, cause I, the uh, profit yeah. margins are so small. Yeah. You really almost need a dedicated person for that. Yeah. And we do. Yeah. We have them busy with just doing route work and then have somebody that's real proficient at that type. Exactly. Of, it's a little bit different, you know, yeah. Again, like you were talking about in the beginning where you were picky about what you were doing. Well, you can't yeah. be picky on route work. You know? Yeah. And, and we, yeah, we, and we kind of, we kind of view our, our commercial side as like our, our minor leagues. So if we hire a new guy, um, they're going to spend the first two months with the commercial guy and they're going to kind of have that, you know, so he'll, he'll do the majority of the work, but they'll put him on a couple windows and say, okay, practice your fanning here. He'll practice, go to the next job. Okay. You're going to work on poles here, you know, pull these three windows over and over again until you get it. And then he'll finish cleaning. And we just keep doing that until pretty soon he's working with him and they're doing, you know, once I see that they're going faster and they're finishing their day, you know, a couple hours early than I expected, then Mm -hmm. I know, okay, that guy's starting. So then I'll move the, the commercial guy up to residential and then the new guy will take over the commercial route. And that's, that's how I try to do it. It doesn't always work that way. But when it does, it, it works out really nice because now I'm pulling, instead of trying to find a, a residential guy from who knows where, 
I've got a guy who I already, who's already in my system, already knows how I work, already has, you know, we have all the information and now they're ready to be trained to be residential, you know, residential, which I pay, you know, I pay more than the commercial guys. So. Now when you're uh, doing, when you're talking about commercial work, is it just storefront that you, that you're talking about? Or is like, you know, when I do more commercial work, I don't do storefronts anymore. Right. Um, again, same reason, even though it's just myself and my daughter, we, it's hard to make money because I yeah. don't want to have a have to dedicate a whole day. Exactly. So we're looking, you know, more, we're doing, uh, two story, three story, four story office buildings. Um, so do you have that type of commercial out there? Mm-hmm. The same guys do that or yeah, no, no, I, I, for, for those big jobs, we have, we pull everybody in, you know, or at least as many people are as needed. So I won't stick one guy on a building, for instance. You know, if anything that requires water fed, I try to be on site if possible. I do have some that I, you know, I don't have to be there because they're relatively easy. But anytime you're dealing with safety issues where, you know, the pole's going up, you know, I'm worried about, uh, you know, hoses. I'm worried about, you know, did they put the safety cones up? Did they, you know, block out the area, you know, the radius of where the pole is so that if it falls, it's not going to hit anybody or anything. Yeah. You know, is there a spotter? I, 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 just for my own sake, I like to be on site um, and make sure that everything's done properly, you know, uh, for their safety as well as my clients and, and customer safety and, and, and their safety of the property. Um, but like I said, there are some that, you know, they're easy enough. And, and I, you know, I've got one guy that, um, is my number two and he can pretty much do anything I do just about. So if it's an easy job, I'll, you know, I'm comfortable sending him knowing that he'll, he'll, you know, keep up to my standards. Um, but so I do have some building, uh, again, they're, they're definitely more profitable than the storefronts, but because of the competition, they, they are, they don't still don't match the residential, you know? And I guess that's the other side of the coin is that with the residential people, um, because there is dust and because I try to, to market towards high-end clients, they do care that their beautiful views of the mountains and the, and the saguaros and the arroyos and the city is messed up with the dust. Uh, so as, uh, that's the flip is that, well, the commercial guys you know, or, or uh, business owners don't care, but the homeowners do care. You know? And so um, because of that and because we're in their home, they are willing to pay a lot more. So, I mean, we're talking like, you know, 30 to $50 an hour on the commercial side for a job to, you know, 100 to 200 to sometimes I've got some that are $300 an hour, you know, uh, for a one or two man crew, you know, that I can do. So it's, it's just not even, (laughs) you know, it doesn't even match. It's just really, and and a lot of that too is because of our marketing. You know, we, um, we really try to promote the, the idea that we're a professional company that they're hiring us for convenience. That's what they're paying for. They, you know, they can, they don't even have to, we don't have to come to get an estimate. They can do it all online with responsive bid. Um, all the information they have is on site. If they want to talk, we can talk, you know, I'm fine. I've got a, I have an office person who is there, answers the phone. So they're not going to call and get a message. They're going to get a, a human um, and, and talk and get their, their questions answered. Um, you know, if they have any problems, they can call. It gets right to me. I'll call them. Um, you know, we handle stuff right away. So they're, they're paying to, to not have headaches, you know. And, yes. and again, the only people that, who are willing to pay for that. Similar to what we, we have out here. And, that, and I think that's where my customer base has always been built on is they don't, a lot of my customers don't bid their stuff out. They don't call other people because yes. they know that it's going to be done. They know it's going to be done right. They don't exactly. have to worry. And 
just make sure it's done. And then even on the commercial side, if somebody questions it or, you know, can we get this cheaper? Yeah, but we're not going to, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> because they don't, they, they don't have that worry. We're making their life a lot easier because they don't, you know, especially in a, in a setting, like when we're working in a hospital, we got to be careful where we're going. We got to be careful uh, what we're talking about. We have to, you know, there's, there's so many different things going on, especially with COVID-19 you just really yes. have to be careful. And they, they had brought another division in our, uh, I guess part of the hospital had brought another company in and they had people wandering around. They didn't know where they were at and they were wandering in the wrong places. And it yeah. just defies why that our customers use it. So, and I think that's really important to so know what your niche is and, and yeah. where you're making money. I don't think um, as many people job costs as they should mm-hmm. to be able to know, like you said, okay, I'm making 50 to 60 an hour here. I'm making uh, on average 100 to 150 an hour here. This is where I need to then yeah. focus my marketing because you can do this stuff all day long, but you're making yep. more money over here, and that, yep. and and that you need to be profitable. And so let's talk about a little bit about your motivation. That's all, it's all money, right? That's why you got to. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, um, one of the things when I started my business was I wanted to make sure that. Um, I was doing it for the right reasons and and the right reasons for me speaking. And Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I really, you know, I wanted it to support my family. That was number one, you know, to that it made enough to, um, you know, provide. And uh, number two, I I had to feel like I was providing uh, an an adequate service. So in other words, if people are going to give me their money, um, not giving to me an obligation because I was there and did the job. They're giving to me because they they felt I did a good, good job. I was, I was satisfied. They're happy with me and they are happy to hand over the money. I never wanted someone to begrudgingly give me money, you know, and, and that's still, that's still the attitude that I carry today. I, I have, I have to know that my customers view me as an asset, you know, that it's, I'm just not a service that they can this week call me and the next week call Joe Blow, you know, uh, or, or Bucket Bob. That you're working together. It's not like yes. that's a service. Yeah. And so my, I've always been relationship or oriented in my business and, and not just with my clients, with my employees, um, with the community, you know, and so my attitude has always been, Hey, if I make sure that I'm, doing a good job that I'm providing a fair service at a fair price, then the money will come, you know? And, and so I've, I've always shied away from um, uh, like a, a franchise type business model. And again, nothing wrong with that at all because everyone has different goals sure. and they have different reasons for starting a business. And some of it is just to make money. And, and I don't, I don't fault that at all. I don't think that's, that's a wrong thing. I think we live in a capitalist society and, if that's someone wants to do that, I, you know, I don't look down on that at all. I just know for me personally, um, in order for me to feel some fulfillment, I, I, I had a bunch of jobs where I just made money, right? <laughs> you know, and then the, the job that I enjoyed was the one in which we were asked to make relationships with our customers. And that's always stuck with me that if I'm going to run my business and I have control, then I don't want it to just be about money. I want it to be about relationships. And I, I really, 
I think that it's a testament that I'll, I've got customers that have been with me for 20 years, you know, and they continue to still promote me. And even though I don't get to go as often because I've got workers now, um, you know, I've got texts who I send out to a lot of their jobs. I still call them and check in after my texts leave. I call them just to follow up. Hey, you know, how's it going? You know, did they do a good job or, or they let us know, you know, and I, I really, for my longtime customer, I really try to be there if I can. I really try to, pop in you know every so often so that they know that I still care even if it's on a job that um maybe I don't I'm not making as much power you know because a lot of the the, my first companies were or my first customers were very small jobs you know small residential houses because that's what I was capable of doing yeah um and uh um you know I still give them killer deals (laughs) you know they still you know they're 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 grandfathered in you know but I I feel like I owe it to them I I feel like Yeah. You know, I, I feel like if, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I was at. So um, I feel comfortable giving that, that much of a discount for them. Now I don't give it for their neighbors, <laughs> for the new people, no. uh, which has caused some, uh, uh, some uh, um, friction <laughs> when they, you know, so I always ask my, my older customers, please don't tell anybody what I'm charging. <laughs> please don't. Cause yeah. you know, it's not anywhere near what my current rates are and, and I can't take new customers on it with, with what I'm, I'm charging you guys, you know? But, uh, I mean, they're just so supportive and, um, you know, that's what makes me feel good. I, I, I feel a purpose with that because I feel like, um, not only am I providing a service that they, they want, I mean, it's not really a need, you know, I mean, they don't need their windows cleaned, but it makes, it improves the quality of their life enough that they're willing to pay for it. And then on top of that, they have a friend, they have a relationship with someone who they want to know how they're doing. They know my daughter. They see my daughter grow up from a baby up, you know, they always want to see the baby pictures and they all know my daughter loves bugs and she loves ballet. And, you know, they're always, Hey, she's still, so many of my customers will buy like little books of bugs, you know, or little stuffed animals of bugs. I had one get buy a little zipper of little ladybugs, you know, and so I, they feel like I'm part of their family and I, I really appreciate it because I feel like they are. And, and we, you know, we had um, a client pass away just recently. Uh, it was la- late last year. And I mean, I took it hard, you know, cause I mean, she was one of my first customers and um, it, yeah, it, it just, you know, that just shows, I think that I reached my goal of what I wanted for the business. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a very strict business person. I don't want that to come across as like, I don't care cause I do. Yeah. And I'm all about efficiency. I am all about data. You know, I want to know, but I, I want to, if, if the heart ever went out of my business, the caring and the, the um, relationships ever left my business, I don't think I'd want to be in the business anymore. I'd want to just sell it and be done with it. You know? I, and that's one of the things that I've always tried to do. Uh, my business model was, I wasn't just a service company to, mm-hmm. To my customers. I was a partner with them. We were helping them. My goal has always been to make, you know, like, especially in a commercial world, it's a little bit different, but you know, I would, I want to make my contact the hero mm-hmm. and whatever we can do to, to partner together to make that happen. And, and then on the commercial or the residential side, again, people call, we, we don't do near as much residential as you do, obviously. So, you know, our, our business setup is just a little bit different, but the, the people that call us, they call us for a reason. And I had the, this year with all the COVID stuff going on, um, we were waiting a little bit and she said, I, I said, I've got somebody up closer to you that I could probably get to come out a little bit sooner. She's like, no, I'll wait for you. 
Yeah, you you know, love that, right? Yeah, and and that's the customers that you really like to have and that make you feel good and and, yeah. and kind of motivate you. As this is why I do this, right? I like those kinds of people, and and uh, so we're pretty particular about our marketing as far as residential. We have a lot of lake mm-hmm. around here, so mm-hmm. we have a big lake, Lake Michigan. So you have really big houses there. But then we have a lot of inland lakes and there's a lot of lake homes and it's kind of the similar to what you're talking about. They want that view of the mountains and all that by us, they want the view of the water. So they want things to look good and, and be nice. And, and they like that uh, small company feel that, that we give to them. So mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I really like what you said. You want you with um, the, the, your contact, you want your contact to look good, right? Yep. You want them to say, Hey, I found a guy. And that's what we've always been. Uh, I think my biggest reward is when I hear someone say, oh, so-and-so recommended you, you know, or or someone will will tell them, oh, I've had Gabe clean for me for 15 years or 10 years or whatever. That makes me feel good because now they're bragging, right? Now I'm not just uh, um, a person that they hired, you know, and a worker and one of several that maybe they might recommend. Now I'm Gabe, you know, I, I'm their yeah. friend you have I, I'm, a I'm the, for you. And, and that's how I tell a lot of, of, of new companies, you know, guys who just start out. I'm like, look, the best thing you can do is, is your first clients push on them, you know, Hey, you know, you're, I'm just starting out, man, you're helping me out so much. Oh, you don't know what, what this means to me for you to give me a chance. I mean, just keep letting them know because that's the truth right and i think sometimes they're afraid to say that because it makes them look like they're small it's like oh no i want i want to give the impression that i've been doing this for years well you haven't been doing this for years you're not going to trick them (laughs) they know you know if they're if they're adults (laughs) they're going to know someone who knows what they're doing and and knows everything and they're going to know people are starting but you know what if you're up front with them because a lot of the people when i started i told them i am just starting out i don't know everything is it okay? You know, or you, will you be willing to give me a chance? And I just up front with them, you know, and, and they liked me and they did give me a chance, you know, the first ones that, that I hired. And then what happens if you do that, they become your biggest cheerleader. And then they're telling everybody, Oh, you've got to try this guy. He's a nice young man. He's just starting out. You got to give him a chance. And people love to be at the beginning of your, of your Genesis story. You know, they love to be at the beginning of your origin story. Uh, And so surprising that you can get that doesn't really cost anything. Now one thing that, that, that I see a lot is when people ask the questions about what's the best advertising and people are like, word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth, which is, is true. Yes. And that's great. But you can't just expect to start out and just have all this word of mouth. Exactly. Exactly. You have to build up that reputation. And like you said, sometimes just asking someone, Hey, you know, if you know, know anybody, please give them a reference. You know, we're, we're trying to build our business here and, and like you said, be honest with them, but then don't expect that you're just going to have 50 word of mouth customers right here. It, it, exactly. it takes a lot of time to build that up. And yeah. now once you get there, now you've got the, the loyal customers. And that's where I've always kind of come from. I, I, I quote Jeffrey Gittimer a lot. So we're talking about different things on posts, you know, that customer satisfaction is worthless customer loyalty is priceless and based on that, that a a satisfied customer will shop anywhere. Yes. Um, You know, so we want them loyal and that's, that's what we have built our business on. It sounds like what you built your business on. Yeah. I I always uh, use the phrase. um, We are a customer service company that happens to clean windows. 
if we can make sure that we do our part, because because honestly, Kevin, when I started out, like I, I I'm not even joking, I was a terrible window cleaner, skill wise, but I had excellent customer service, and I had I got that from the bank. I worked at fast food. I worked at a call center. All of those terrible jobs that I hated gave me the tools to be a good businessman, you know, and um, I, I took advantage of that. And even though my quality wasn't there because my customer service was so good um, that it, that's what carried me through my first couple of years of work until I actually gained the experience and the skills uh, to be able to now, now I have a good product I can offer, you know? Right. And, and, that, and that's really interesting because my wife and I were just talking about that. I think it was yesterday or the, maybe the day before that if you could build, if you have good customer service, you could build a business mm -hmm. on customer service almost completely because customer service today is in a lot of places dead. There, dead. I, I had to go get some work done at uh, Bell Tire and, and I, I had always liked them. Uh, they did good work and the last time I went in, uh, my wife had went in with uh, her daughter and they weren't really, they were like, this guy is kind of off. And so then I'm like, well, maybe somebody's having a bad day. I go in. I felt like they didn't even want my no. business. No. I'm, I'm not going back anymore. I'm, I'm going to go down to the road and there's a, there's a smaller local shop and I'm, I'm going to start going to. And yep. I want somebody well, that wants to take my money. Well, Kevin, I mean, that's, that's why, you know, in, in, um, I think when I talked with Jimmy, I'd mentioned some of the changes I made. I changed banks and it was because of that, you know, once this COVID thing happened and I really needed a PPP loan, do you think I could get a hold of someone at Wells Fargo? No, no, nope. no. Nope. I did everything that they asked. I did everything I could online. I had no idea where it was. And thankfully I listened to Megan, uh, likes and I just started applying to everywhere, you know? And then, uh, um, Sean Gavin had suggested a couple places, a few others. And, uh, that's when I finally got it. Um, you know, but what's funny is that I'm in a networking group and the, one of the gentlemen who's in there is works for a smaller bank. And I was asking him for, cause I originally I was going to apply for an S this is before COVID. I was going to apply for an SBA loan and I was going to go through him just because I liked him. Mm -hmm. And um, when COVID happened, they're like, look, I'm sorry, we're going to, we're throwing this aside because we're going to be overwhelmed with PPP loans real shortly. And so we can't, we can't focus on this, right? which I understood. And plus they were only going to take current customers and I was not a current customer, but you know what? They helped me through that loan, through the, the PPP. Whenever I had questions, you know, if, if I couldn't get a hold of Megan or whatever, I would email this guy. He would find out for me and he would send, and he'd send me updates. He'd ask me how I was doing. How's the process? Have you got it yet? Cause he, he wanted me to get it. And after we got it, um, you know what? Guess where we put all of the, the, the proceeds. It was with them. I went over there right away and I said, Wells Fargo is not going to see a penny of, the, of that money. Yep. It's all going to go to them because they're the ones who actually helped me, you know. And, and then, of course, you know, after I had already had the, the money for a month, Wells Fargo sends me a thing. Hey, are you still interested in this? You know, <laughs> and, and um, you know, and then I went to another bank because uh, I, I have a relationship with another bank with through a loan for um, a vehicle. And I went to go make a payment because I was trying, I'm trying to get stuff paid off, you know, so I was making more than the normal payments. And I went through the drive-thru because of course I'm not letting anybody in the, in the lobby, which I totally, you know, understand. Do you know that person did not say a single word to me? I put my stuff in that little thing that's, you know, the little contraption or whatever that sucks it up. They got the trans. I'm waiting for someone to say hi. I didn't even know. And all of a sudden boom, it's there. 
she had done the entire transaction, never said a word to me. Yeah. Never asked me if I need anything. There is there anything else you need a balance. Do you need this? Never said a word to me. I got my receipt and I left and I was like, well, after this thing's paid off, I'm not ever doing any business with them again, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately that was, that was a bank that used to have really good service. And it's just over the last year, I've noticed little by little it's dropping. And then now that, you know, so it just tells me, you know, there's going to be people who are going to work for it and others who are going to be affected by stuff and it's, they're going to let it translate into their customer service. I'm a business. I've always worked hard at keeping it even when we're struggling. So I expect, you know, those companies as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's even more important when you're doing things for people personally, you're working in their home. Yeah. It's not just a, a business yeah. uh, that you're going to it, making it really feel good to that, that person yeah. and giving them that good feeling. I've always said that, that sales is about reducing risk and mm-hmm. especially in today's climate with, um, you know, there's so many different businesses doing so many different things. When people find somebody that they trust and they feel good, mm-hmm. they will give you their money. They will just hand it to you because they feel good. And that's, that's where you really can build that business. And absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and, and again, like I said, we were just talking about that, that I really think if you just started a business based on customer service, even if you went out and actually told them, look, I'm not really that great at windows right now. I'm going to get really good, but that's me. <laughs> that's exactly how I started. That's, that's, that is my playbook. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise that now because we have so many uh, things available to us, you know, yeah. like I mentioned the groups and, and YouTube videos and stuff like that, but I didn't have that. And that's how I started. And, you know, that's what saved me. So for these new guys, you know, or people who are looking how to, what can I do to grow my business? What can I do to make it more marketable customer service? If you're, if you're lacking in customers, in other words, if your customer calls you and you don't get back to them in two days, that's bad customer service. Even if you get back and they're, they're okay with it and they still use you, that was still terrible customer service. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, if someone has a problem, uh, what do you do? What can you do? Are you reasonable in, in trying to handle it? Is it something that, that, you know, by taking a little bit of a loss here, you got a customer for life. You know. Yeah. And you know, one of the trends that I've seen is where people will put up something where they've had a customer uh, complaint or a customer issue and they have dialogue back and forth in text mm-hmm. over this complaint. And, and the one piece of advice I would give to everybody is pick up the phone and call them. Yeah. But, you know, because so much gets lost in that dialogue and it takes the personal feel out of it. You're just talking to a phone now. You're just, yep. you're just, getting these messages and if you pick up the phone you go look i want to make sure that that we make this right you know what's let me come out and look at it let me take care of this that can go a a really long way in in fixing a problem and and a lot of times i see you know emails and texts and all that kind of stuff i think it just prolongs the issue and makes and not only that kevin you know your your eagerness to help them comes across in your voice you know in a way that it's not going to come across in text. So if you generally feel bad about something and you want to make it right and you type, you type it out, that feeling may not come across. They can even come it can even come across as you're being antagonistic, you know, or that you're disagreeing yeah, with them. Sometimes. So I, I, such good advice. You know, the, the other thing too, that um, I, I really try to do and it, when I do it, it works. I can't say I've done it perfectly. Keep the emotion out of the discussion. 
if someone tells you you did a terrible job and you guys did this and you left streaks and you know you didn't do that, don't don't let it come across. You know, when they call you up or you talk to them, say, hey, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry you had that experience. Man, that's terrible. You know what? We're going we're gonna to do what we can to make it right. Tell me again what's the problem, you know? Oh, well, they're streaking on all these windows, you know? And right away, I'm like, it's a broken seal, you know? Yeah. And of course now, but again, it was our fault, whether it was me or a tech, we did not tell the customer on the spot, you have a broken seal. So regardless if it was a broken seal and it's not our fault, we did not notify the customer. So that was our fault. Yep. We did not adequately communicate. So now I've got to drive over to the house, look at the window, explain to them what's happening. 99% of the time, that's what it is. But once in a while we do mess up, you know, we do have a window that they skipped or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and, and then we just make it right, you know, and, and, yeah. and don't, don't take it personally. Don't take it as an affront on your pride or affront on your, uh, uh, how many years you've been cleaning windows, you know, oh, I've been doing 20 years. There's no way I could leave streaks, you know? Well, yeah, actually I leave streaks, you know, I usually touch them up. I catch them, you know, before I leave, but Hey, once in a while I may get a phone call before I do my, my final walkthrough. Um, you know, I may be in the middle of something of my route and then I get distracted. The customer talks to me and then I get, messes me up you know things happen you know and, and yeah. to to act as if you're perfect and you never make any mistakes the customer is going to see right through that and now you're in an antagonistic situation whereas if you would just acknowledge hey you know what i am po- it is possible i can make a mistake mm-hmm. hey you're saying i made a mistake let's look at it let's investigate together we're going to both look at this this is a problem we're going to solve it together and if it's something that's my fault i'm going to fix it if it's something I can't do anything about, I'm going to make sure you understand why we can't do anything about it and that you're comfortable with us leaving it the way it is, you know? Yeah. And the last and, thing we want to do is, is tell a customer something that makes them feel as though their problem is unimportant to you. Yes. Um, if you come back and say, well, I, I don't, I've never had that problem anywhere else or my other customers have never said anything like that. Well, then you're, now you're taking it all out of the, the personal feeling for them. Like, Oh, so you're telling me that I'm stupid or you're telling me that I'm, I'm wrong. Well, wait a minute, but I, I see something. I'm, I'm not happy with something. And like you said, validating that feeling to the customer say, Oh, that's horrible. I'm going to come out and look at it. I want to make sure that we make this right, whatever we have to do. And then whatever that takes, again, that's where you get the loyal customers. Um, I go back to a, a study that Marriott did a number of years ago where they, they put their customers into three categories, stayed, had no problems, stayed, had problems, but they were fixed to the customer satisfaction and stayed, had problems and they weren't fixed to the customer satisfaction. And then they, they charted out the return rates for all three of those groups and the highest rate of return for loyalty, the biggest loyalty was in that middle group. Yep. It wasn't, you had to be perfect. It was just fixing the problem to make the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. And, and, and that's, but, it, but you know why it's because it shows you care and, and that's, you know, it's something I'm always telling my, my techs, um, especially when they do something that, you know, was, was avoidable and uh, you know, I'm talking to them like, look, I just need you guys to care. And they're like, yeah, we care. We care about our jobs. We care about, I'm like, no, no, no. I know you care about keeping your job. <laughs> that's not what I'm asking you to care about. I'm asking you to care about something enough to think about it twice you know, cause so many, so many, uh, window cleaners, they, they think of the, of the action of cleaning as the job. So I've run my squeegee over this. 
that that means I've done the job and then they walk away from it. No, the job is, is the customer happy with that window? Did you really clean that window? Because if you, if you did the action and it really does not result in a true clean window, you, then you're not done. You know, that's caring, making sure that you care that whatever service you offered, it was, uh, it's according to what you promised the customer they would have. Yeah. Know? And then making sure that the customer's perception Yes. And their expectations and your service match. And that's, that's the other. Go back to talking about, you know, well, if the seal is broken, I need to make sure that I communicate that to the customer yes. so that their exactly. expectation and my service, now they come together and they match. Yep. Whereas managing, managing expectations. My service was here, even though it wasn't my fault. Like you said, you didn't communicate that. And now the customer's unhappy and it just ends up costing you more time. So that's yeah. another way that I've seen that if you can make sure that those expectations come and, and service comes together and then address any concerns that a customer has, it just, it goes so far mm -hmm. in having yeah. more. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, I, I don't want this conversation to make it sound like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any bad reviews because I do have a couple bad ones on there or haven't had some relationships that have gone south because of something we did or maybe a, a you know, a bad decision that we made or, or whatnot, you know, that happens. I mean, we're all imperfect and, and I don't think we any of us can shoot for perfection, but again, do we care, you know? And, and, and again, that goes back to my philosophy because if it's just about money, you're not going to want to spend the extra time to make sure your customer's happy. You're just going to view them as, oh, well, we lost them. Okay, on to the next customer. Yeah, because yeah. you're looking at, you know, oh, we've been here two hours, and it's, I'm only making this much on the job, and they yes, oh, i got to get out of here. Well, exactly. that's, that's when things start. Exactly. And that, and that snowballs, you know, and that's what I don't think people understand. They just view this person as one customer that they lost, when a couple things, one, they're going to tell all their friends about their bad experience, right? So you've lost all of those customers. Uh, number two, this could be the, the first sy syndrome of a larger problem of you not doing what you're supposed to do as a business owner and as a window cleaner, you know, and you're getting sloppy and that's why the customer was. So rather than being proud and saying, oh, well, that's the customer, they, they're just acting ridiculous. You have to kind of self-analyze and say, okay, am I doing something? that's getting these customers upset. <laughs> Am I doing something that I need to improve? Because if you don't address it, then it's the longer you, you carry on that bad habit or that tendency or whatever it is, it's going to affect your business down the road. And, and a lot of window cleaners I know who've been in business for five, 10 years, they're in that perpetual loop of, I've always got to get new customers. You know, I've always yeah. got to get new ones. And, and I, I had this one guy, uh, uh, who had a business in an area close to mine and he was selling these packages. But what would happen and the business model was fine. I, I it made sense. But what happened is that when he got low on, on money, he would start throwing out these buy one, get one free deals. And he would start, you know, Oh, uh, we're going to throw in these extra two cleanings. If you buy a four cleaning package and he get himself in a hole, you know, mm -hmm. but it's why? Cause the customers weren't happy. They yeah. weren't calling them back to renew and he had to get new customers to fill that spot. Yeah. And why? Because he had terrible customer service. You know, he had really bad customers. And, um, you know, it, it, but again, that, that's that cycle that you can get trapped in if you're not careful and you will not be able to see if you're too prideful. If you got too much pride and you're not willing to, to look at yourself honestly and make the adjustments, those are the problems. It's going to affect your business. Yeah. And, and I have to say that over the years, I've learned the most from the 
pickiest and most demanding customers. Yeah. Because they force you to take a look at something from a different standpoint. Yes. Where, again, you think, hey, I'm, I got this down. I'm doing this perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you get a customer that questions you. And at first you're like, well, wait a minute. But then if you really sit back and look at, okay, explain what the, what you, what you see. And, and then you get their complaint or you, you get the information from them. You sit back and you look at it and you go, Hmm. Yeah. I think I might need to change something here a little bit because I can kind of see where this would be an issue. And that's where that the business, like I said, that's where I've learned the most is from those picky customers, the demanding people that demand more of you. That's where you're going to grow in, in not just in the business, but personally in, in your ability to give good customer service and to, to deal with customers. You're just going to continually grow when you have demanding customers like that. Oh, you're, you're so right, Kevin. Um, again, that goes to, to not being too prideful, right? Because Absolutely. whether, let's say someone is like the worst customer and they're picky and they're unreasonable and you're trying to do your best to help them and they just you just cannot make them happy. Out of all the garbage that may be in there, there's going to be some bit of information that you can actually use yep. and if you're prideful you've just disregarded everything that they've said and you said you know what this person's you know they're bad they're terrible i'm glad i'm rid of them but if you can just be a little humble and listen listen to what they say and then filter out the stuff that is you know unreasonable but find a little bit that actually can add value to your business and you take that that's going to be so beneficial i'll just give you one for instance of one um, cause you know, in Arizona, we don't really have wood floors, <laughs> so we don't really deal with wood floors at all. I mean, there's, there's some obviously, but, but majority is tile because we have, have so much dirt. You want something that's easy to take care of. You, we have carpet here. We really don't like your whole house carpeted because dirt and rocks are going to get in there. You're going to be vacuuming all the time. You, so a lot of people have tile and that's what I really grew up or, you know, start when I started my business having, but then as I started getting the higher end customers, they would have wood floors. And at the beginning, I wasn't using drop cloths on the wood floors, you know, and um, no one said anything to me. I probably did it for a couple of years. And then I had this one really picky customer and she was very, you know, very uppity, you know, just, I was the help, you know, yep. one of those people, you know, and just really looked down on me and just really thought nothing of me. Um, not, not friendly, you know, um, annoyed at everything. <laughs> you know, I was too noisy. I was, you know, this and that. But um, she scolded me because I didn't use a drop cloth on her wood floors. Now, I just didn't know. Again, I had no YouTube. I had nothing, no knowledge of that. I just didn't know. And I said, I'm sorry. And she's like, why aren't you using drop? Don't you know that water can ruin wood? And I said, no, I didn't. How could you be a window cleaner? You know, she just totally just went off on me. Um, but I was like, she's yelling at me. And I'm thinking, holy cow, I'm supposed to use drop cloths on wood floors. I really needed to know that. I had no idea, you know? And uh, since then, that is our policy. That is the company policy. Since then, we only, if we have any wood floor, drop cloths. Yep. That's it. doesn't matter if they're paying for the bottom line package, you know, uh, uh, we use drop, and it's just because I don't want to cause any damage, you know? And um, yeah, that terrible customer who never used me again gave me a bit of advice that, Man, now you know I use it. We use it automatically, and uh, you know customers will comment. Oh, thank you so much for using drop cloth on my wood floors. Yeah, window cleaners should know that, right? You know, thousands of dollars. But you know, it, it's just like there's so much information that is given to us from our customers if we're just willing to listen. If we're not too proud, if we just you know, is this you know? I, that's why I always ask myself when someone tells me something: Is this reasonable? If it's reasonable, 
no matter if they're being a jerk about it, I should listen and I should address it, you mm-hmm. know? And, and it's just being, being able to self-analyze and, and kind of look at your, your, how you're running your company uh, and have that little bit of humility can save you, like you mentioned, save you money, save you time, and then sometimes salvage a relationship with the customer that otherwise you would have lost, you know? If One they see favorite. that you care and don't overreact to how they react. Uh, Cause you know, people who do that, they're used to other people getting mad at them, you know, when they, cause they know they go over the line and then they're waiting for you to react the way that everybody else does. And when yeah. you can react calmly, man, they appreciate, it. you know, I've got a few customers like that, that the other, I'll be like the pool guy. I'll come like, Oh man, they're terrible. Aren't they? I'm like, well, they're, they're pretty nice to me, but I know it's because I, since I responded calmly and, and unemotionally, they appreciated that. And now they kind of treat me special yep. because they appreciated that I let them off the hook because they knew that they overreacted, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard is arrogance diminishes wisdom. Yes. You know, if you let, like you said, if you let that pride stand in front and it, it, you're just not taking in some, some times that little bit of information mm-hmm. that, that could make all the difference in your business. You know? Yeah. So Gabe, if you had one or two pieces of advice, I know that's kind of a loaded question because there's so much, <laughs> stuff that is, you know, but we get that, you know, we've, we've been in business for a long time and a lot of people will, you know, message or call and, Hey, what, what do you think I should do? If you could pick just one or two little things that, that again, it doesn't have to be anything major to mm-hmm. give advice to somebody that's just starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, or that is been doing it for a while, but maybe really has kind of hit that plateau of growth and, and are just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got them, man. I got them. So the number one thing that I tell people, and, and this, and I, I'm going to say that this is advice. It's not, you don't have to do it, but I highly recommend working for another company for a couple years. And if you can find someone who isn't like super, you know, uh, precious, like for instance, I, if you work for me, and you tell me my goal is to start a window cleaning down the road. As long as you're straight with me, I'll help you. You know, obviously you're going to sign a, a non-compete. Uh, in other words, I don't make it where I don't, it's not where they can't ever do windows, but it's where they can't work, you know, a, a bid my jobs, you know, any of my customers. Yeah. Um, and, and in Arizona, it doesn't really stand up anyways, but it's just more of a, a word, a man to man type thing, you know, or, or a woman to man if they work for me. Um, but they, uh, uh, I'll train them, you know, I'll teach them. You know, now I'm not going to tell them all my secrets, <laughs> but I will tell, I'll tell them how to clean windows. I'll teach them about customer service and, and I'll help them. I mean, a couple of my guys, they have their own businesses right now and they're trying to grow it. And, um, but I also trust, you know, they, they earn my trust. I'm not just going to give anybody off the street, um, but they've earned my trust where I know that they respect my business. And then in turn, I, I give them their opportunity to grow theirs, you know, but if someone can work, get the experience without the liability to start, that is priceless because I agree. man, I had a friend, well, I just bailed out a friend who um, he scratched up a bunch of windows Oof. and um, you know, I, I do glass restoration. So I, you know, he, he's a friend of mine and I, I like him a lot and I was just like, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll go and do it. I'm going to charge him. I'm not going to charge him my full price just, just to help you. You know, I helped him. I still ended up charging him like 400 bucks. I mean, and it, it should have been, if I would have charged full price, I mean, it would have been, you know, three times that, but, um, he, you know, uh, 
again, it was something that if he had worked for someone else, it was a dumb mistake. He would never have done it. You know, it was involved razors. It was construction cleanup. Uh, um, It it was just stuff that if he had never done before, if he had worked for a company and they had taught him, he would have learned, you know? So if you can, if it's, if it's doable, it's not always possible and it's not always needed. Some people are just built for it. You know, I've, I had one friend who, man, he started his business and he just took off in six months. You know, he, he started doing really well. But I, I, I just personally, I wish I would have been able to do that. You know, I'm just coming from my viewpoint. My first six months were so miserable. And I really wish I had someone to kind of show me everywhere, you know, how to do it. But again, not needed, but I, I, I highly recommend it if it's possible. The second thing is take your online presence seriously, like from the beginning. So get your Google My Business page set up immediately. Um, go, th- you know, get that, get a Facebook page, get an Instagram page, get a YouTube channel, get a, a Twitter. You don't have to use all of them, you know, especially when you're little, you know, and you're starting out small, you don't have to use them all the time, but get them, have them there, have them on your website. Um, and then, uh, when you, after you get your Google, my business page, um, go through and just search your name. And because f- what happens once you, you get your name on, you know, as a business on there, all these other little sites like, uh, city search and, uh, yellowpages.com and all these other little, uh, mantra.com or whatever, make sure that they're all consistent, get your branding, right? Because nothing screams, uh, uh, non-professional then they see you on this page with your hours, you know, five to eight, this page, no hours, this page, a different number, uh, different logos on all of your pages. Uh, it just screams unprofessional, you know, fly by night. Um, so go that's, and it takes a long time cause I did it, you know, when I, when I started my, my website and I went through, I mean, it, it took me a good two weeks of, of work just to get everything in line, but I took control of all of those pages added my, my, my logo, added pictures, made sure all the hours were exactly the same as my personal website. Um, and then, um, you know, that, that's the biggest thing because when people search for window cleaner, since you're new, you're not going to come up on that first list. Right. So if they find you, it's going to be because someone referred you, right? They're looking specifically for you. So they're going to type in your business name. What's going to pop up? Well, hopefully your website will come up, but I guarantee if you're new, it's not. <laughs> the first thing they're going to see is yellowpages.com, those weird sites. Those, yeah. You're yeah. not going to be on the Google yet. You're not going to be on your Facebook page. Well, your Facebook page might pop up, um, but those, those other weird sites are the ones that typically come up. So make sure those are all in line because if they see, oh, this guy's the same in all of these, okay, he's, he's, you know, he's got everything together. This is a professional. This is one who takes his business seriously. Uh, rather than, you know, someone who just starts up and may not be in business in a year, you know? Yeah. And then once you get your Google, my business page, use it. I post on my Google, my business page, the same as I post on my social media, almost. There's some things that don't quite translate, but you can make posts. You can post on there. So any, anything that would fit in there, I post. So that, what that does is that keeps your Google, my business page active and it views it as this is, this person is using this page that slowly will organically raise you in the rankings. Um, then focus on your reviews, get reviews. Cause if you can get five, five star reviews on your Google page, that automatically jumps you up a level in, in the algorithm and it increases the odds that you'll get found. So that that's, those are the stuff that you have to do to really, if you take your online presence seriously, 
it improves the the eyeballs that will see your your um, online presence, improving the odds that they'll actually call you. You know, because it's all a numbers game. It's all, you know, the chance that someone runs into you uh, is so low when you first start out. You got to do everything you can to improve the odds that you get you get the higher on that list. You know, so okay. that would be my advice. Those two things. Great information. Great. Oh, and by the way, because um, so many people ask me about that, I do have a little thing that I typed out that has all of this information and I'm happy to send it to anybody who, who needs it. And I just, I just, it's a copy and paste thing. <laughs> you know, so many people ask me, I'll, they'll, they'll DM me in, on Instagram or Facebook and Hey, I just started out. You have any advice? And I'll send that like, this is what you need to do because that takes so much effort. It's like almost a full-time job to, at the start. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I admittedly, I, I should probably do a little bit better job with that. You know, we don't rely on those, that type of business because we're not just booking house after house, after house, after house. But yeah. And, and you have loyal customers already. You have a customer base. See someone who's starting out does not have a customer base. So you got to start somewhere and it's going to be from new customers. Where yeah. do new customers look? They look on the internet, you know? So if you're not, if you don't have those things in line, you're all, you've already got a lack of experience against you. And you don't have a customer base to rely on while you're pulling in these new, these new jobs. You, you've got to take it seriously and you got to put the effort that you can towards it. Good deal. That's great advice. Well, Gabe, I, I think we covered quite a few things and we gave some people some thoughts and ideas. I know I've learned a couple of things. So <laughs> for your time and a little bit of insight on uh, how the Gabe spotless window cleaning operates and, and how you've got to the point of being successful as you have. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm glad that you picked me. I, I was kind of surprised when you suggested it because, you know, we're, we're interviewing other people. Um, and when you suggest that, it made me happy. So I th thanks for looking out for me. Yeah. You know, we're, we, we chat and talk all the time with the end of the flow admin stuff, but sometimes yeah. just forget about who's in your own group and you're like, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to, I want to talk to Gabe. So awesome. Good deal. All right. Thanks again. And, Thank uh, yeah, and as usual, anybody's got questions on this stuff, feel free to reach out to Gabe and myself, and yeah, and uh, we'll try to help you out any way we possibly can. We can. All right, thanks. Take again. care, man. You too.